0: they are Uh, are the Packers as dynamic and awesome and are the Vikings as bad as we think they are what do we make of the Bears we know the Lions are going to be wretched again Uh, and there's a lot more to discuss in week two we are at the Gateway Lounge here on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls I'm John Gaskins I used to be on the radio technically I am still on the radio High school football games Friday and Saturday nights, a coach's show on Saturday morning, and Matt Zimmer, still writing sports for the, well, I guess I should ask you that on a daily basis. Are you still writing sports for the Argus Leader? Yes. Okay, well, I mean, you've survived this long in the pandemic. Right, yeah. So, Wrote a story today about uh, local guys in the NFL, which is, not
1: to change the subject, but kind of a cool thing how we, this is the first year we've kind of made it a weekly thing, but like, there are enough guys in the NFL from South Dakota or with South Dakota ties, that it's worth it every Monday to do a recap of here's how all our local guys did. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, remember when yeah. there maybe would be one guy every 10 years, you know, and now there's <laughs> And eight, it'd be a guys, really big deal. Yeah, now there's eight guys in the league all at once, and that's pretty
0: cool. Yeah. None of them had a great week, but uh, that's neither here nor there. We'll, we'll get started with the Vikings, who had far less than not a great week once again. Uh, and I also don't know if feeling the exact same way about Sid Hartman is good, but I just opened up a, a Star Tribune and apparently Sid Hartman feels the same way about where the Vikings are at and why they're where they are at that well, I do. whoever writes Sid Hartman's column. you're yeah, Right, of course. Uh, <laughs> Sid Hartman, by the way, he's literally a hundred years old. That's not an exaggeration, a 100-year-old columnist for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Uh, so, We'll get started with the Vikings. We have some twins. Ron Gardenhire Memories, he retired, so I figured it's a great chance for us to go down memory lane. We both had a chance to chat with the uh, Jolly, but also Mercurial... Former manager of the Twins, who just retired from the Tigers abruptly, uh, we'll put a season wrap on the Canaries, and what could get more people out to watch their ball games? Always a fun topic of discussion, and interesting now that I'm on the inside of the organization, and a bunch of other things. And oh, oh, Nebraska fans have been uh, tossed and turned like rag dolls, and uh, as usual, they can't seem to. Find a way to laugh at themselves. Uh, they're they're very upset at the way the rest of the country looks at them and their football team because they think they're responsible solely for the Big Ten playing football again. We, and we can we can discuss that. But the the Gateway Lounge is here, and Jackson and crew that run the place are awesome people. Uh, and S- Jim said before we flicked on the mic, this is no joke. This is a cool place to come watch games. They have good food here. And so I'll expound on that. I told you, hey, wait, wait till we flip on the mics, so you can expound on that. <laughs> they are a sponsor of the podcast. Yeah. And this is for real.
1: I've been here many times before we decided to make this our home base. Very good food, and this is a good place to watch football on Sunday, which yeah. it's easy to say like that any place that has TVs and the NFL Sunday ticket is a good place to watch football, but that's not always true.
0: No. I, I've seen a lot of bars that screw it up, actually, right. and right. they screw it up bad. Um. My
1: family used to own one that screwed it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah,
1: like, you, and didn't you say this is a,
0: a Chiefs bar? It is a Chiefs and bar. And I know, like, when you say Jackson, that, like, the manager is a Chiefs like fan. bar,
1: but yeah. guess what? You could watch the Vikings if you wanted to. Well, here's what
0: they do. The, yeah. Uh, Sunday was a perfect example where uh, the, the, the 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 Vikings are their kind of number two here. Right. So when the Vikings are at noon and the Chiefs are either in the afternoon or in the evening, which happened to be yesterday. The Vikings took over at noon. It Mm -hmm. was the it was the game that had all the sound. The the sound of the entire place was on the Vikings game because they know
1: people care about the sound as much as you do, John. Really? Yes.
0: They should. (laughs) <laughs> right. Because Just that in there. I really do. Bitch about it on Twitter every I year. do. Yeah. Well, I don't. It's not necessarily which game. It's that you have sound of a game. I've been to Sony Sports bars. Uh, fair I've lived in four different states, some you different towns. Like
1: classic rock blaring while you're trying to watch
0: football. Well, Maybe if that. it's going to be something, I'd, I, I guess I'd prefer it to be classic or rock. Any but music, yes, whatever. But uh, yeah, sad old country tunes or you know whatever. It's not cool. Uh, I want to go to a sports bar and hear sports, especially when actual sports games are going on and and nothing's bigger than NFL Sunday. So uh, they know what they're doing here. But when the Chiefs are on, if the Chiefs and the Vikings are playing at the same time, this is the place to go to watch the Chiefs. They're going to have the Chiefs game, but they're going to have the Vikings on a bunch of TVs. Like, they know exactly what to do. Uh, If I ran a sports bar, and it's probably a good thing I don't, but they kind of think the way I do. it looks. Okay. We're gonna have probably more Vikings fans here than anybody else. We're gonna have the Vikings on a, most of the TVs, or um, the most TVs. Uh, we are an established Chiefs bar, so we're gonna have a lot of Chiefs games on. But they give you every NFL game say, that's going have, on.
1: You should have enough TVs that yeah. every game is on at least one of them. Yes. And so if some random
0: dude comes in and is like, hey, I'm from Florida, I want to watch the Dolphins, you can accommodate and, that guy. And that guy does not have to wait for a really busy bartender or right. server to like go and figure out the system. Yeah, and, maybe
1: he doesn't get like the front yeah. and center big screen, but like yeah. we. find that game
0: for you yes but when when it's here it's already on all the games are on and seriously from almost any vantage point you can see every game we're sitting in the back corner of the place right now uh but whether you're sitting at the bar or uh, over by the pool table on the other wherever you're sitting you can see almost every game so the gateway is awesome, and yesterday a lot of interesting things were unfolding. The primary game I was watching, because it's part of uh, both of our jobs, and you're a big Vikings fan, was the Vikings and Colts, and that was a colossal piece of shit. Yeah, I was mean, a really bad football. Game. Yeah, and uh, it was for, yeah, it was a bad game overall. Like the Colts yeah, were just that the not, yeah right. The Colts right. were, but there were turnovers, penalties. Uh, most people didn't like the announcers. The Colts
1: dropped an easy touchdown pass yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah.
0: Um, so let's just, uh, we'll start with the big picture, then I'll get to what Sid Hartman and I agree on, or, uh, is a big reason why the Vikings can't move the ball. Um, like, how, how doomsday are you feeling about this right now at 0-2? Oh,
1: I think they're a candidate for a 3-13 and 13 kind of season. Uh, they I look that know. bad. Now, two games, things could change. Mike Zimmer is a good coach. I think there are good pieces on the roster. Um, but, it, it, I mean, they couldn't possibly have looked worse through two games, yeah. I don't think. Um, and like I said last week, I'm certainly not trying to take credit for seeing this coming by any means because I honestly didn't really pay that much attention to them throughout the offseason and preseason, just because the freaking world blew up. Like, yeah. there were just more important things than preseason too. football. Yeah. And there was no preseason.
0: Yeah. You
1: mm. know, but like I said last week, like, there was this sort of sense, like, I don't know, like, I didn't get a good feeling that, that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman thought this was gonna be a good team, you know, so let alone th- that I would think that. And then you throw in, you know, a bunch of defections on the defense, then Daniil Hunter gets hurt right before the season starts, and it's kind of like going all, su- all of a sudden, like, this defense looks like it might not be very good. And if the defense isn't very good, now you're relying on an offense that lost Stephon Diggs. Now, yes, you got some good pieces in return for Stephon Diggs, but in the short term, he's a pretty big part of your offense. Yes. Um, There was just an awful lot of red flags. Yeah. Like, you know, I think I was kind of looking at it going like, well, you know, things break right, maybe you go 10 and 6. Things break wrong, maybe you go 6 and 10. And if things kind of even out, you go 8 and 8. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking going into the season. But again, with those red flags going, maybe something worse is on the horizon. And that sure appears to be
0: the case right now. Right. And because we saw the Packers and you go, okay, this is a terrible timing of a game to play the Packers. You you know, again, no preseason, blah, blah, blah. No Daniil Hunter. No crowd noise to affect Aaron Rodgers. And it was a, you know, quote, unquote, perfect storm. But, I mean, you, there's no excuses when you go to Indy and you play Phillip Rivers who can't move and who just Mike Zimmer normally tease off on. Well, I mean, the, the, the secondary... And so it's, like, bad. Now, now you know you're bad. Yeah, I mean, again, not
1: having Daniel Hunter's big. Then Anthony Barr gets hurt early. And yeah, for the
0: year and now. that's a good, another reason to believe it could right. really go south. And,
1: the, the you know, having a young secondary didn't seem like a terrible idea before the pandemic. Because you're like, okay, you know, Xavier Rhodes' best days are behind him. Trey Waynes is, you know, an average player or whatever. Bring in some youth. We all know how Mike Zimmer can develop young uh, defensive backs. But that's a lot harder to do without a preseason. These guys are thrown into game action. You know, the first game, like, live bullets just right off the bat. Yeah. It, it, it kind of makes sense, of course, that Aaron Rodgers would pick him to pieces, but, but probably that Philip Rivers would too. I mean, yeah. he might be old, and but he's still a, a pretty good player. Yeah, you know, it, it's not surprising to me that Philip Rivers picked him apart either. Well,
0: when you we have no pass rush, you can't make right, Philip exactly. Rivers
1: hyperventilate the exactly. way he does yeah. when he throws interceptions. And then the thing that you obviously haven't mentioned yet, and I know you would get to eventually, is the offense is also complete shit right yeah. now too, and that that factors into it. What well, brought-
0: you, you brought up, and I brought it up last week, and I, I, I thought it was kind of quiet and you didn't hear much about it after the trade happened, and I know like salty, salt of the earth Midwesterners who love a great work ethic and love team players, and guys don't make that make it all about themselves, and flashy wide receivers, they were so happy to see Stefan Diggs go. Me and my old cohort, Craig Maddock, would have this drag out every time we talked Stefan Diggs last year, and look, I get it. They needed a divorce. He, he did not like playing for them. I don't think he liked having Kirk Cousins as his quarterback very much. Uh, it it felt like a divorce that needed to happen. That was inevitable, and it can't go on, and we shouldn't live in the... We should just move on with our he lives. Looks better in hindsight now. Well, of like course... He
1: knew something that we
0: didn't. Exactly, and also, <sighs> like, it's pretty clear that the production... And Kirk, Levin, Kirk Cousins' comfort level is so much less when he's not on the field. But you know, he lit it up for Buffalo, and he's making Josh Allen into a guy that's an early season MVP discussion. It's really early, but like Josh Allen was amazing yesterday. No one watches the Bills, but all of a sudden they're they're good. He has a lot to do with it. Kirk Cousins, two weeks in a row, he's got one guy he's familiar with and comfortable with, and that's Adam Thielen, and both of the defenses they faced have known it, and now he's starting to throw interceptions and really crappy balls, and he has nowhere to really to go on third down, and it's it looks pathetic, and it looks really pathetic without Stephon Diggs. I think that's a major reason why this team can't move and can't score and why Kirk Cousins is putting up a 16 passer rating against the Colts. Uh-huh. You and I have both
1: mostly been Kirk Cousins defenders. I mean, oh. neither of us have ever you know, suggested that he's on the level of the Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, those sorts of guys. We've never said that, but we've also kind of pushed back against the people that are like, he sucks, they shouldn't have paid him, all that kind of stuff. Uh, two weeks into this season, I'm getting about ready to jump off the bandwagon. Uh, and again, that I was only lukewarmly on the bandwagon to begin with, right. but I always, I always understood why the Vikings got him, I was okay with them paying him the money, it all made sense to me. And in his first two years with the Vikings, you know, did he play at an elite level? No. Did he play at a good enough level that if the pieces around him had played up to their potential, they could have gone far? I think maybe. He was close at times. Mm -hmm. The numbers were certainly good. Yes. Um, Right now, he looks terrible. Yep. And it's not just... And and the bigger thing is, okay, you know, you can say, if if you were inclined to continue to defend Kirk Cousins right now, you would say, well, the offensive line is terrible. True. You would say, he doesn't have Stefan Diggs anymore. True. Uh, You would maybe even say, they're not running the ball enough. You just paid Dalvin Cook all this money, give him the ball. Also true. All those things are true. But the thing is, if you're going to pay Kirk Cousins that kind of money, which, again, I was okay with them doing. Me too. um, He should be the kind of guy who can make other players around him better. Not the kind of guy who needs a perfect set of circumstances around him Mm -hmm. to make you a winning team. Because basically what they're saying now, and when I say they, I just mean anyone who's still trying to stick up for this guy. is Well, you know, if the offensive line around him was great, and he had two elite receivers and an elite running back and two elite tight ends, then he can be successful. Well, who can't? For crying out loud! Put Terrence Christian in there with the, with the best offensive line in the NFL, two elite wide receivers, uh, two really good running backs, two really good tight ends. He should light it up. The fact that you're paying a guy thirty million dollars a year and he needs to have this exactly perfect yep. set of certain that that's ridiculous. Yep. Top, I mean, I said this on Mike Show today. Drew Brees, Mike Hendrickson, by the way. Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Uh, you know who uh, these, the elite quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, these other guys. You know, they made their receivers into great players. The Vikings are saying they need their other players to make Kirk Cousins into a great... Well, if that's the case, then he's not that guy. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they... It'd be one thing if we're like, okay, you paid him, you gave him this three-year, $80 million contract, it didn't really work. But if this was the last year of the contract, it really wouldn't have hurt too much. Like, we tried this, it didn't really work. But they just gave him this extension, and now it's like, okay, now what the hell do you do?
0: It, well, it feels like you got to have a quarterback, right? That's what we went back to. We didn't think Case Keenum is a starting level NFL quarterback, even after a thirteen and three season and the first NFC title game appearance in whatever it was eight years. I mean, imagine Case Keenum working with this. He has been, it, every every moment even since worse. the Minneapolis Miracle, proving
1: yeah. that he is not the guy. Yeah,
0: and, and and of course, people who will still defend him will say, "Well, he didn't have the he didn't have the weapons in Denver or Washington that he did in Minnesota." Okay, but it's it's the same damn thing. I mean, thing. that
1: argument looks better right now than it did yeah. at the time, right? Because again, if, if if you're gonna pay Kirk Cousins all this money, the idea is he should be able to win some games by himself. Yeah, I'm not saying he should be able to single-handedly win the NFC North and take you to a Super Bowl. No, but he should be able to win a few games by himself. Mm-hmm. When when think when the chips are down, all those cliches put the team on his back and you know do those things that. Obviously guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and some of these yeah. other guys have done, Russell, but, I mean, yeah, but I mean like he's never done that. Right. You know, I mean, he's, don't get me wrong, he's played some great games. Uh, some of his best games though have been in, like the, the tie against the Packers was one of the best games he ever played as a Viking. The loss to the Rams in Los Angeles a couple years ago, that shootout, yeah, like 48 to 40 or whatever it was, that was one of his best games. You know, I mean,
0: and, and of course, to see what's he, happening
1: oh yeah. now, you, you have to wonder, have we already seen the best of Kirk Cousins? Mm-hmm. I mean, it sure looks right now like we have.
0: And it's also a factor of, again, he's got two guys to throw to. And that's Kyle Rudolph and Adam Thielen and everybody on the other teams. Earl Smith, it. maybe they, they, know. they could try to find ways to work him in. I mean, They're I get, have, to. Uh, have to, yeah. That's that, that's that's the next BC place to Johnson's go. Beasley Johnson's terrible. I, I, I
1: can't believe they think he's an NFL wide receiver and yet they cut Jake Winicky and didn't even give him a second thought. Uh, um, or some of the other guys that have been through there. I mean, Kirk Cousins. That was a bad throw that got picked off last week, but also it bounced right off the guy's hands. Uh, and you know Jefferson, he's a rookie first round draft pick or was he their first round pick? I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'm not saying that he should, you know, step up and be Randy Moss right away as a rookie. Um especially comparing him to Stephon Diggs. But when you're drafting that guy to replace Stefan Diggs, you know, there's a little bit more expectation. He Right now, I'm not blaming Jefferson necessarily. I'm not comparing him to Troy Williamson. Not going, jumping to (laughs) making that that leap yet. Yeah. Uh, But when you lose Stephon Diggs and then you draft a wide receiver in the first round, the implication is you need to step in and be that number two guy because we have Adam Thielen and BC Johnson after that.
0: Yeah. And so. They look bad. It's 0-2, and and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. And there are some alibis here, obviously. You gutted half your defense. Now you don't have Anthony Barr. That's another built-in excuse now. Uh, to have a losing record and to have a bad season and to give Mike Zimmer more time—it's a reason to go into full-on rebuild mode. Well, don't even try, right? What are you, what, what you going to do? Well, you—you you foresh- actually—I give you credit for foreshadowing it last week. You said uh, after losing losing to the Packers and looking bad doing it, like maybe they know something we don't know. They just gave Spielman and Zimmer new three-year contracts, right. and maybe they th- those guys feel like the window closed on that defense and that Super Bowl run, that chase for a Super Bowl—it's closed. And they're giving them time to open it back up again with some pieces already in place, obviously, to start the season. Cousins, Cook, Thielen, Rudolph, and then defensively you still got Barr. They shouldn't have paid him all the money they did, but they have him. He's a good football player. And Daniil uh, Daniel Hunter might be the best pass rusher, one of the top three in the NFL. And you got the and you got your two high level safeties. You got some pieces in place. You can be a playoff team, but we don't expect you to be make a Super Bowl run. And now they have some injuries and are just craptastic enough that It'll be interesting to see if that is what the Wilfs do. Judd Zolgad, longtime Vikings columnist, wrote today, I saw the headline, he sucked me in and I clicked. I would have read anyway, because I like Judd. But he wrote that, you know, is is it already time to start thinking about showing Zimmer the door? And I thought, wow, that's over the top. But remember, Brad Childress got fired In the middle of the year, after the year, he took them, Mm -hmm. he and Brett Favre took them to the FC Championship game. It folded like a a deck of cards. Or immediately, he made, and and by the way, Chile had just signed a new contract as well, a three-year deal. Uh, the differences in this case are just for anybody who's going there. Because I did think about that yesterday. I'm like, wow, it's looking bad. And by the way, Mike Zimmer goes, Mike Zimmer goes to the playoffs every other year. He never has a bad year. Even his first year, he exceeded expectations by going 7-9. and nine. His teams have never been bad. And he's built most of that roster. So he gets a lot of credit. And some people in big NFL circles think he's one of the best coaches out there. But every other year, once they have a good year, the next year, it's crap. Mm-hmm. And then they miss the playoffs. They go 500, essentially. That's what's happened the last two times they've made the playoffs. This year looks like another time where he can't consistently put together a playoff team and a playoff product. But the reason why we don't expect Mike Zimmer to be in any hot seat is because Brad Childers was making... Most of the personnel moves, and one of the moves he made—not just draft—but he got rid of Randy Moss after Moss was there for a month, complained right. about bad Chinese food, and he didn't tell the owners, "I'm going to get rid of Randy Moss." He just did it, and that once was they such start- a
1: controversial move at the time, there was yeah. serious talk that Wilf was gonna fire Childress that week yeah. and bring Moss back and say basically <laughs> say, like, you're not fired to Randy Moss. No one would have complained
0: about that. Uh, no,
1: fans wouldn't have. I, I'm glad that Ziggy Wolf didn't do that because you can't, you know, let the inmates run the asylum, as they right. like to say, or whatever, yes. but, like, it was, there's no question that that was a huge factor in, in Childress getting fired because uh, they had brought Moss back as much to sell tickets yeah. as to help them win, and for him to just tell the most popular player in franchise history you're gone because I can't get along with you or whatever was a really stupid move on his part the other thing is you may remember I'm sure you remember this nobody ever liked Brad Childress right even when they were winning he was the most unpopular Vikings coach I can remember (laughs) I know yeah he was I mean he was severely disliked uh-huh. It was, It was. by the time Ziggy ran him out of town, everyone was happy. I
0: halfway defended him, too. I mean, he was a better coach than he got credit
1: for, but it was the, the reason he doesn't get any credit for it is because nobody liked him. Right. He's not landed, he, like, he no. he. no. he never got another head coaching job. No. And I know he was an OC for a while, and, like, the Chiefs were using him as, like, a they gave him some fake title like you know passing game consultants
0: consultant something, something like that like specialist yeah. yeah quality control whatever and yeah. uh he, he's the guy from That's office It's not a coincidence he's the guy from office space that freaks i'm good with people i'm a people person you know and that was brad chose uh so that was a the the Moss thing was a big part of children's going down quickly after a great year uh and by the way you know this Zimmer contract reportedly 4 or 5 million dollars a year for the next 3 years we're in a pandemic they're not selling any tickets and those and they're not selling any right. booze and they're not selling any food like yes these owners have zillions of dollars but they're not they're losing money yes the TV deal with the NFL is whatever well, it is also, they're, like, you know they are not going to just get rid of a guy you and pay you him don't
1: fire coaches or gms as like punishment it's yeah. it, it's not supposed to be like oh you had a bad season Slap you on the wrist And like You fire someone Because you think There's someone else out there Who can do a better job True you. Yeah um, I think Rick Spielman overall Has done a pretty good job As the Vikings GM I think Mike Zimmer overall Has done a pretty good job As the Vikings coach Does that mean that they both Deserve to have Lifetime contracts? No yeah. But if you're going to Get rid of them I hope you have somebody Out there that you Are really yeah. really confident Is going to be better uh, I'd be more confident That you could find A better GM Than Rick Spielman Than a better coach Than Mike
0: Zimmer But you know, I'm also not acting like Mike Zimmer invented football, you know. Yeah, the, it, it's weird. It's it's a tough situation to be in because he's a good coach, doesn't deserve, deserve to get fired. Also, it doesn't feel like he's going to win a Super Bowl with the Vikings. Um, and also, look, they could have gotten rid of him cheap last year before they signed him to a new deal. He was a lame duck, basically. I mean, he had one year left, but when you have one year left, you're a lame duck. And uh, we know the Cowboys reportedly wanted him, and that was a thing leading into the game against the Saints. And then... The Vikings beat the Saints, who were some a lot of people's Super Bowl picks in New Orleans. And of course, the defense played awesome. They contained Drew Brees, and Kirk Cousins had his big clutch moment and threw that pass to Thielen, and then that pass to Rudolph, and that was it. Like, okay, Mike Zimmer can win us the big games. Let's lock him in. They could have gotten rid of him, and they didn't. So, uh, we even if they go two and fourteen, it's hard to see, yeah, I don't see uh, uh, Mike Zimmer firing.
1: So that's, I think if well, let's put it this way: let's say yeah. they do go two and fourteen then I think you say, all right, we're committing to you. We're leaving the rebuild in your hands, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer.
0: But then don't expect another extension until that rebuild is complete. No doubt about that. So let's go to the Packers who just forever live in a world where uh, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. And even on years where they they don't really look that good, they make the playoffs. And then even last year, a lot of people were that impressed by them. But they won 13 and made the NFC title game. And now they're 2-0 and the offense is lighting the world on fire. I think the caveat here." 56 against the Vikings. We've we've seen how bad the Vikings are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offense can't move. That is partly how your team scores when you get their offense off the field. Uh, and the Vikings' defense lost a lot of key pieces, and it's bad. And then you go out and uh, – who they beat yesterday? Detroit. And, yeah, okay, there you go. Right. So the Vikings are bad. We know they've beaten two bad teams. But they have been – you know, Rodgers looks sensational. Aaron Jones, as you said last week – at wants to run and protect Aaron Rodgers a little bit more, so what are you what are you buying out of the Packers right now? That they're good enough to beat bad teams. Yeah, they're good enough to. They're going to win the NFC North. Right. It's pretty much. Well, our, well, I mean, the the Bears are two Okay. I haven't seen the Bears play. They've beaten two bad teams. I haven't either. Right. I'll, be, I'll be. We'll be honest. We'll be the rare sports talk hosts that admit we're not. We don't see everything. <laughs> but they did beat the the Lions, who fell apart, who've lost like nine or ten or eleven games in a row going back to last year, and they beat the Giants, who are in total rebuilding right. mode. And right. I, I don't know when Barkley went out, but their right. best player. You, anytime
1: right. you start a season two and zero, oh, you've given yourself a chance to make the playoffs. Well, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. But it feels like the Packers are the favorite, unless the Bears, like the Bears, two years ago when they went 12 and four. They put up record NFL defensive numbers. I mean, and I'll have another one. Uh, record numbers. Um, I mean, like an ungodly amount of turnovers forced and sacks. And the Vikings learned the year before that when they went to the NFC title game, when they had the best defense in the NFL. Like you can't you can't maintain that level of defense. So they can't maintain that level of defense, and they have Mitch Trubisky. I just feel like they're still gonna, they're still gonna go about 500, um, and the Packers should win this division. But do they feel like a team that's gonna be in the Super Bowl mix? I don't know. It, it, it seems like they have figured out something. I wouldn't say something. no. I wouldn't no. say no,
1: but it's also
0: too early to say yes definitively. They look awesome, like yeah. a Super Bowl contender. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers looks great. Did you see? I think Russell Wilson's the MVP. If you want to go a two-week MVP, let's go Russell Wilson because a guy who we're talking about cousins. He needs everything. He needs great players around him. Russell Wilson doesn't. I mean, Metcalf could turn out to be, like, pro bowl guy, hall of fame guy. He has the body to do it. I mean, Russell Wilson's amazing without a whole lot of help. His defense is terrible. Pete Carroll's the defensive guy. They've given up 1,000 yards in two weeks. And But Russell Wilson's, this is not just ball control offense and Russell makes a big play in the fourth quarter. This is Russell's lighting it up all the
1: time. He's an amazing player. I think he's one of the best I mean, not just one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best pure football players in the NFL. And I've always enjoyed watching him, which is funny, because I think he's the biggest nerd in the NFL. He is. Like, I kinda wanna, Cheese ball. I kind of want to root against him, but he's just so fun to watch. <laughs> yes. and he's so talented. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy that... You know, I wish the Vikings would get like you know. Dante Culpepper was kind of that kind of player for a while, and then he shredded his knee, and it was all over. Yeah. But but to be clear, when I make that comparison, he was almost that good. He wasn't that good. He right. was almost that good. Yes.
0: So why why <laughs> dive further into the nerdness of, of Russell Wilson? Oh, what do you mean? What well, do you mean?
1: I mean, I, you know, was it last year or two years ago? He was miked up after a game or during a game, yeah. and I mean, it was like. The NFL players really listen to this guy? Like, the whole leadership where, like, I saw something on Twitter. I remember, like, everything Russell Wilson says in the huddle sounds like something you saw on a poster in your fifth-grade classroom. Yep. You know? like. Yep. And that's, you know, but to his credit, he, he's never been, like, that is who he is. You know? I think he really is that big of a nerd. Yeah. Like, it's not some sort of show. Like, he's a dorky religious guy who, like, that's how he that's how he gets down, you know, and, and yeah. say what you want about you know, I'm sure some of the players on on his teams Throughout his entire career, have rolled their eyes every time he's given one of his incredibly cringeworthy speeches. Yeah. But I'm sure there's lots of guys that are also like, yeah. "Hey, this is how this is my quarterback. This is my guy," and they yeah. roll behind him. And he's got a Super Bowl ring. He should have two Super Bowl rings. Yep. You know, you, you right. laugh at him all you want. You know, one yard result, away. The results speak for themselves.
0: Right, and and he like you know it says "Go Hawks" at the end of every interview. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the post game interview last night, but was uh, asked two questions. He must have talked for six minutes, and she said, <laughs> "Well, you made my." job easy for me tonight thanks Russell yeah you just rolled your eyes and you do but he's good okay he's good and he's not a troublesome personality he's not you know like Aaron Rodgers is a bit of a troublesome personality he's aloof and he rolls your eyes at you and if you don't do what he wants you to do he's he's not going to talk to you he's going to try to do he's going to do negative reinforcement russell wilson it seems like a positive reinforcement kind of like come on guys you know like or uh, you know a motivator he built a football field on his property uh, he had his receivers come out and work out all the time they clearly developed the chemistry and he's he's Beyond Metcalf, he's throwing a bunch of different passes. He threw five touchdown passes to five different guys last night. Where did so, he, he
1: finish? He you know played college football at Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, USD played against him. His uh, I think it was his senior year. Really? The Coyotes went to Wisconsin, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, where did he start his career though? North Carolina
0: before? State. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah and I, right. I had never I had never heard of him before he got to Wisconsin. I remember that this was Nebraska's first year in the Big Ten, and uh, so. And Nebraska's first game as a Big Ten team was at Wisconsin. I was there. It was a throttling and mm-hmm. Russell Wilson in that game was incredible. And the, and the other thing that's cool but about Russell wrote, Wilson yeah. and that that what is
1: he, five eleven, I think is what yeah, he's looking for. Six listed foot at. tall, yeah. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, there are and I can speak from experience, there are short quarterbacks who struggle because of their height. But also there have been a lot of great quarterbacks in the air who came out of high school, college, wherever, and didn't get an opportunity because there was some 400-pound scout out there who said he was too short to play the position, and I I'd like the fact that a guy like Russell Wilson has not just had that success, Drew Brees too, he's six foot, not just had that success but prolonged it, yeah, and shown that no, you can do this. You don't have to be this six-four freak, you yeah. know. But but I mean now you got guys like Cam Newton who are have the size and the freakish athletic ability back in the old days you had the the dan marino joe montana types that they thought was what they wanted some right. statue who could yeah. stand back there and survey over top of the defense big strong right, smart. Right. that's one thing that i've always liked about one reason i've always rooted for russell wilson is that he's mm-hmm. kind of in some ways Going to bat, representing for yeah. all the short
0: quarterbacks out there who are trying to make it. It's very personal for you, isn't it? Well,
1: not really, but I'm. <laughs> it is for me. Like I said, I, I, I was a short tear, but I was a short, terrible quarterback. Right. There, there are short, good quarterbacks out
0: so, there. To finish it up, like this is a guy who basically what he he's we are we've already seen him win a Super Bowl, and as you said, should have won two. But in the last few years, it's been. Round and pound. They don't really unleash him until they need him. They they have the they have the run game and they have the Pete Carroll defense and some of the best defensive players in the league who are pretty much all gone. And okay, it, it's going to be a close game, and then Russell can put on the Superman cape in the fourth quarter. Well, now we're seeing with an with a bad defense and an offense that needs to score points and a coordinator who's putting in all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, crossing routes, vertical patterns, the collegey stuff, everything. It's. Uh, Now, we're we're seeing what happens when you turn Russell Wilson loose and it's a beautiful thing. So, it is, nobody's listening anyway. John Gaskins, Matt Zimmer. I know it's a podcast and people can look at their screen and they know exactly what they're listening to. We don't have to reset things (laughs) like on the radio. When they're in their car and they're like what are we listening to what station am I listening to but we're at the gateway lounge west 41st street in sioux falls what's the monday night game tonight i feel pathetic for saints. oh the raiders saints and raiders yeah, yeah. and um, can i say because i want to get to my homes so we'll lead into Mahomes and cam newton if we get to uh, to them and then we'll do some more local stuff and i do want to get to the huskers uh weird relationship with the rest of the big ten and country right now uh Okay, so they're, they're going to make a big deal out of this Las Vegas Stadium, even though there's no fans in there tonight. They're going to. They're going sh- to. It looks just like the new LA Stadium, which looks just like the new Viking Stadium, which just looks just like Jerry World, which looks just like New York Stadium. I'm getting. I'm getting a little fatigued by the the, by this stadium orgasm people are having. They all look the same. They're all great. They're all overpriced. They all cost a lot of money. They, they're all really cool looking. And nobody can afford to go to these games anymore, and I just, I'm over it. I don't know. It's a lot, you're, this is the only place you'll get this material, folks. Is, is John is over stadium hype, but it's, they well, all look the in, same.
1: In, in the post pandemic world, you really gotta wonder if that's gonna end up biting those teams in the ass. Yes!
0: If, you know. do, do you look at these stadiums and go, because you've been to the Viking Stadium, and so have I, I think once each. It's really cool, it is. I was lucky enough to sit in the lower bowl, because that's where Craig Matic had his seats, and he gave me his seats. I did sit in Jerry World for a Big Ten championship game with Nebraska ten years ago, like the year it opened, and I, I couldn't afford the lower bowl seats. Right. And I, I paid the most I've ever paid for a ticket well, in my life. The, the thing is, you can't; uh, see these they're they're so far away from the field. They're, everybody thinks it's so cool. These stadiums are so big. No one can. No, when you go there, no one can. And unless you're in the yeah, lower bowl, yeah, no one can see the yeah, field. Yeah, I
1: don't even think that's the big issue. I think the big issue is the NFL. And again, you kind of have to make caveats for the pandemic has made everything weird, but like, yeah. let's, let's pretend the world was normal right now. The NFL has created a situation where it is far and away the best sport to watch on TV. Absolutely. There is nothing... And, and the TV technology we have now, I got a 70-inch TV in my basement with surround sound. I sit down there, I turn on the TV, I have a mini fridge next to the couch, bathroom... Why the hell would I want to go to an NFL game? Ask Craig, man. Sit down there, and ha- but I mean, it's not just the Vikings game. Yeah. Let's yeah. say the Vikings play at noon. Yeah, I can go down there with a case of Budweiser and whatever the hell I want to eat, and I'm sitting down there from like eleven thirty yeah. till eleven thirty. It is. It's great. When the Sunday night game I agree. gets it's over, it's awesome. That's an awesome way to spend a Sunday. It is. And you want me to? And, and it doesn't cost very much money. Yeah. You know. No. And uh, I'm supposed to go to a Vikings game where the ticket. Parking, food, yeah. concessions, gas, all that stuff. Let's say, but even let's say I lived in Minneapolis, didn't
0: yeah. have to do the the gas, the traveling, all that stuff. Like,
1: who would want to do that?
0: Who would prefer that experience? You have to get there at 8 a.m. to beat the traffic. Um, and you're and that's when you start tailgating because the used games to go to are one usually game at noon. Year
1: because I have three of my best buddies since I was a kid. We're all Vikings fans. We make it like a a, a yeah. tradition once a year we go to a game and get drunk and act like idiots. But that's why we're going. Yeah. If it wasn't for those three guys saying, hey, let's go do this fun thing, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I I still would not have made my maiden voyage to U.S. Bank Stadium right now. Well, that's not true. I went to one game. Didn't
0: you get to sit in a suite? For that game, clothes uh,
1: close. Just really okay. good seats, and, and yeah. Anyway, but I, I just, both times I went, I had amazing seats.
0: You're right about the whole TV thing, and it's not worth it for the average person anyway. Even the even the average person with a little dough, or we like, but Craig it, it, Craig that, Maddock that is that not a rich man. He pandemic. spends. A, now, yes. Now the rep for,
1: from let's say there's a vaccine tomorrow. Yeah. People are still going to be paranoid forever. Yeah. Like oh, let's go sit in an indoor building with a hundred thousand other people. Are they? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly. if a lot of people from know.
0: South Dakota are. I think there's enough people in the Twin Cities who aren't.
1: I already had plenty of reason to stay away. That's just another reason to stay. Yeah, away. That's
0: fair. Um, the, the, the thing, that, and you're right. Pandemic changes everything. It's part of every conversation. But like, I just look at the Rams, and, and they, you know, they've got their new stadium. Great, good for them. The Coliseum, you, you know, yeah, it's a dump. But what I liked about it, and again, what, what, why should I care? I don't live in LA. I'm never gonna. I probably, you know, I have a cousin who lives there. I don't know if I'll ever go there. But like. The seats are right on top of the field. It's an old stadium. All the seats are right on top of the field. Whoever built that wasn't thinking about making as many zillions of dollars as you can off of luxury suites. And, uh, and so, like, the, 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 for people who like going to games, it's just pretty much over for them unless you have a lot of money or you're willing to spend, you know, you're willing to sacrifice vacations or mm-hmm. a nicer house just so you can go enjoy that, you know, doing what Craig, and I, and I love Craig. This is what Craig decides to do. He's not a rich man. He spends a lot, he has lower bowl seats. I don't, that's a lot of money, and he has a blast. He has eight, eight to 10 Mardi Gras a year. But, like, I just, it's just kind of sad that, that, I sound, you know, I sound old and crusty, but I just kind of like... these. New, everybody's like, oh, these new stadiums are great. No, I think nope, they're terrible the for the, human, making, the like, average human. We've, we've been kind of
1: having half-hearted conversations about this kind of thing for years. Yep. That are these NFL teams pricing their games out of the average person's... That that they aren't. a long time ago. No,
0: they're making money. I yeah, get it. But yeah, but I mean, like... The, if, because the, cause the Vikings at, can find 66,000 people to pay for those seats. But will they be able to forever? Good question. I don't know. Especially,
1: that like I said, in the post-pandemic yeah. world, like... Right. And, and, and right. okay, let's... The Vikings are one thing. L.A., Las Vegas, those are a little different, you know, like, L.A. doesn't give a shit about the Chargers or the Rams. That's right. the, been the running joke for a while. Yeah. Their
0: stadiums are small, they still can't fill them. Yeah. How's Las Vegas gonna react to the Raiders? We don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll find out. Okay, so there's that sidetrack. Uh, did you watch Mahomes at all? the Charger, Against the Chargers? No nope, I watched that? the Twins. See, okay. Um... I mean, that was the Super Bowl. That was last year's Super Bowl in the sense of um, the Chargers aren't as good as the Niners were, and it isn't the Super Bowl. That was the same game. The Chiefs played like crap for three quarters, and it didn't matter because they stayed within a touchdown, and all you needed. I'm sitting, I fell, A, I fell asleep. B, I was just kind of like, this looks bad. And C, I was like, well, you know, Mahomes will probably throw off his back foot across his body a 70 yard dart to Tyreek Hill, who's going to. Beat whoever's covering him for a 70 yard touchdown to get back into this game and that's exactly what happened and, and that's not that's not being Nostradamus that's what Patrick Mahomes does and it happened and it got him it basically helped get him into overtime third and 20 late in the game uh, trying to get into field goal range he runs for a first down on third and 20 and you know we don't think of him primarily as a runner but he showed he can do it um, so the Chiefs basically played a c-minus game against a decent team uh, on the road, albeit not battling crowd noise, and um, and and just won. They uh, I as a Chiefs fan, if they ever like play some, give give their A game or a B plus game for an entire game and not fall t- behind twenty four nothing to the Texans in the playoffs or the Titans, I can't wait to see what that looks like. But. Um, I still think Russell Wilson right now is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes simply because he doesn't have the weapons, and he's doing almost as cool of things. Oh, wow. You gave, you gave a little bit of a wince there. Uh, I mean, and I'm a Chiefs fan, but like Patrick Mahomes has the fastest wideout in the NFL and the best tight end in the NFL, and for what it's worth, it was worth a lot yesterday, the best kicker in the NFL, right? At, and one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, Chris Jones, at his disposal. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's obviously part of the formula of being an MVP and a Super Bowl champ. I don't know if that, you know, if you put him on the Seahawks, would he be able to do the kinds of things that Russell Wilson does? I don't know. I think Maybe. he would. Okay, good. Well, I feel better because I think
1: fan. I think Russell Wilson would be just fine on the Chiefs too. And obviously. this is what
0: and this is why I think Tom Brady is going to probably be eventually after he gets used to these guys, better you know better in Tampa than he was the last couple years in. New England, because he actually has weapons. He has Mike Evans, he has three legitimate tight ends, multiple backs. That's going to be a lot of fun to unfold. And and this is what makes Cam Newton pretty amazing his first two weeks, because he's working with Julian Edelman and the same stiffs that Tom Brady worked with, and look what he's done.
1: How did Cam Newton... What are the Patriots
0: paying him, a million bucks? Yes.
1: Like a league minimum? They're smarter than s- everybody else. I saw that Nathan Peterman
0: is making more money than him <laughs> this year. hes I, I, I heard somewhere he's the 44th highest paid quarterback in the NFL.
1: I mean, I get it. There were questions. He's been hurt. He's been a dickhead. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I understand all of that, but really? Like, it, it, we didn't know Kirk Cousins was going to be as bad as he's been. Yeah. But if someone had said to me, like, you can have Kirk Cousins for 28 million or Cam Newton for 1 million.
0: <laughs> Guess who I'm taking? Jesus. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and here's a—you'd th- have 27 million dollars left over to, I don't know. Here's
0: here's a simple up that defense a little bit. Here's a simple theory that I heard today. Get another
1: wide receiver. Here's
0: a simple theory that I heard about Cam Newton today about why it's clicking and why it's going to keep clicking in New England for him. Why they'll be a Super Bowl contender with him as quarterback. And if I told you who I heard it from, you'd, you'd box so it'd make the point. You wouldn't take the point <laughs> as seriously, but. Cam Newton plus structure equals dynamite. You know, he's in Carolina. I don't know, he had he was working with, oh, he was working with Norv Turner for a year and he was okay there. But you know, he is a flashy guy on and off the field. And I don't know how much discipline or work ethic he had, but the Patriots are obviously the most rigid and structured franchise, don't you buy don't it. buy it at all. No. Because I think he just needed to change his seat. Maybe, maybe. his mechanics are better? And more consistent. That's possible. And Josh McDaniel knows how to put together an offense. I think you're giving
1: the Patriots, or whoever said that, is giving the Patriots too much credit. Okay. I I, I mean, don't get me wrong, yes. His last couple years He looks a lot better
0: two games playing with them than he did.
1: I think he just needed to change the scenery. I think any new team that he would have gone to, you know, it was obviously not working out in Carolina. Like I said, he was being a dickhead on top of the fact that he was hurt all the time. Like, wherever he was going to go, I mean – the guy's not stupid. Yeah. He knows that, like, if I don't perform here, I'm probably out of the league. Like, yeah. I got to salvage my career right. here. I, I, I think he'd probably be having success wherever he was. It was just time for him to end up somewhere else. And it made sense once Brady went to the Bucks. Like, oh, well, there's only one starting quarterback out there. Who yeah. are the Patriots going to bring in? We all knew who it was going to be. And are any of us surprised that it's working out?
0: Yeah. No, we're not.
1: But they do have an operation where they have figured out yeah, I'm, I'm to, not, n-
0: to have... Uh, I'm not b- saying that doesn't help him. I'm yeah. just
1: saying it's not like that's the only
0: reason. Like, give Cam Newton some credit, too. Uh, like, he can play. Of course, that's very fair. And, by the way, that one-yard line, uh, yeah, that's what the whole world know, knows knew what was going to happen. And that's what should have been the play call. I don't buy for a second that that's not what the Patriots should have done. Maybe they yeah. should have ran him more to the outside. But did you like? I'm not much for second-guessing individual play calls. I mean, kind of feels it like works. Everyone thinks you're smart. Yeah. If it doesn't, everyone thinks you're dumb. All right. Uh, one thing we could address about the NFL. We've done a lot of NFL, which is good. That's what a lot of people are watching and talking about. Um, and we have no college football locally to talk about. So you know, um, the Notre inter- State looked good.
1: They kicked the shit <laughs> they, out of presentation did, or, did you, or whoever did you, it was. Did you watch
0: it? No. Oh, okay. Um, the uh, the. The injuries in the NFL are a thing and everybody's wondering how much, you know, I mean half the best 49ers are gone for a while. Uh, Jimmy G, their running back, Uh, Nick Bosa, George Kittle, their tight end, Richard Sherman's out. Their best defensive lineman has an ACL tear. Then Cameron McCaffrey has an ankle sprain. And Saquon Barkley tore his ACL. And Anthony Barr's out for the season. And everybody's – that's the story today. Injuries in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And is this because they didn't have a preseason and they weren't hitting each – they don't hit the guy – they don't hit each other very much at all in the NFL the last 10 years before
1: this year. I don't buy that too much, especially because major injuries like – uh, you know ACLs. A lot, a, a lot of the, the most serious injuries are usually non-contact injuries anyway. So that's yeah.
0: part of it. It wasn't it last year that a bunch of great NFL players were injured early and were like, what ha- "What's happening to our season?" Yeah, I don't. I, I, maybe I that think, was two years ago. I think there's something to be said for it. Like yeah. having
1: you know two months of just practice where nobody really hits anybody, and then all of a sudden you get into a game situation and you're, you know, the slobber knockers and all that kind of stuff. Like yes, it's going to affect things, but. You know, like I said, most of the most serious injuries are, are either freak things or non-contact things. I mean, the biggest hits, like the yeah. the jarring hits that you see, yeah. aside from concussions, and I'm not trying to, like, minimize concussions, but we're not talking about concussions. You know, those big hits often lead to concussions, but they usually otherwise, if it doesn't result in a concussion. I mean, I did play football. You, you always preferred the guy knocking you on your ass as opposed to the guy wrapping you up and twisting your knee or your ankle or your elbow or something. Like, that's how you got hurt when guys grab you know, some part of your body and, and twisted it and your joints were susceptible to being yeah. you know pulled or or pushed or you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That was always a much bigger fear than some guy just lighting you up like you hadn't been hit all through practice.
0: That makes sense. By the way, we're not doing Facebook live this week and I think we're probably not going to again which uh, we're we're okay with that's just what we decided makes it a more quality podcast. Uh, But that takes away people's chances to interact with us during the show. So if you want to interact with us while you're listening to this, you can always tweet at... John Gaskins ninety one or at Argus Matt Z, and uh, we'll address some of your points maybe in a later podcast or maybe on Twitter. We're at the Gateway Lounge, West Forty First Street in Sioux Falls, a sports bar institution. Uh, used to be kind of an old dive. I don't think they'd mind me saying that. And now it's a. It still has. It, it, it turned itself into a legitimate, nice sports bar. Probably a better place to take your girlfriend or wife or take your Didn't kids.
1: It used to be like dart and video lottery and everything. It, over here? it
0: was. It was a guy bar. It was a guy dive. They moved it around a little bit. But they've had it where they've been able to, you know, they, they've kept their regulars here. They've made it where they've, they've had the perfect blend of being a joint. Mike Hendrickson likes to classify bars as dives or joints or something else. They've combined it between being a joint and just a good family restaurant and a great sports bar. And that's partly what Jackson did when he took over. He put all these HD TVs to have all these games on. They're also really fun to follow on social media and they also have great lunch specials. You combine those forces. I enjoy getting Jackson's Facebook uh, updates and Gateway Lounge on Facebook. Follow Jackson Rentschler or Gateway Lounge on Facebook just for the daily lunch special. He always has a funny meme or gif, uh, and the lunch specials are pretty awesome. Today it was the cream of chicken over biscuits with green beans, plus chicken noodle soup, plus a sugar cookie for seven bucks. I mean, they do this Something like that every day—a good comfort food lunch special for just seven bucks, where you get um, you get the main course, you get a super salad, you get a dessert. It's a great deal here at the Gateway on West 41st Street in Sioux Falls. This is where we don't have to be as polished as we were on the radio, and smoothly transition into things. Do you want to talk twins since you were watching them, and get into Guardy stories, or do you want to, uh, you know, do you want to poop all over the Huskers and their fans? because it feels like the rest of the Big Ten in the whole country is doing that. Where would you rather go next? Jeez.
1: Hang okay? on a second.
0: You okay? Some Budweiser went Get down the road, too. some Budweiser there.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. Whatever.
0: Okay. You're um, running the show.
1: Yeah. I'm your wingman. Well, all right. Well, well, okay. I feel like I'm not as up on the Husker stuff, so why don't you explain it to me? Uh, like, I— and just, Here's what I've got, yeah. and, and you can fill okay. me in on, on maybe the, the, the right. holes in the story. Like, yeah. Okay, so the Big Ten says no season. The other conferences that we're going to play say we're going forward. Yeah. Big Ten keeps kind of digging in their heels, like, no, we're not playing, we're not playing, we're not playing. Yes. Nebraska, some players, some people with Nebraska file a lawsuit, I believe. The law. Attorney General of Nebraska. Okay.
0: He found some clause, some law. Okay. Some non-profit bullshit. What, how
1: much that had to do with it, we don't know, but anyway... Yeah. That happens. Big Ten still digs in their heels, says we're not playing. But then a few weeks go by, and there's no disasters as the SEC, the Big Twelve, other conferences are playing. Yeah. High school football is going on without yes. disaster. Eventually, it's like, all right, you have to fucking play. Yeah. So the Big Ten's like, okay, we're gonna play after all. Yeah. Now they're playing, and now Nebraska fans are all woohoo! It's all thanks to us. We're playing, they, and oh they wait, they gave us a schedule that makes us play football teams.
0: Yes. That's, bit, well, the toughest teams to play and they have by far the hardest schedule and, and the, the thought is that's their punishment for being that outspoken against the Big Ten's early statement and, okay, you're laughing and I'm not gonna try to defend Nebraska on this. So I'll, t- I'll, I'll walk it back a little bit. Scott Frost was the first Big Ten coach. The Big Ten has always had this feeling of all for one, one for all. Some, pre- uh, it's a prestigious egghead conference. They do have a lot of highly rated Public schools: Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, Michigan—you know, like three of the highest-rated public collegiate institutions in the country. They like to give this feeling of—I knew nothing about it, that. Uh, they love to give this feel. Well, this is what the Big Ten does. They love to give this feeling of erudite. I knew Northwestern was a good school. That's about yeah, the only and there one you that. have Northwestern, Purdue's, and you know, pretty high-end school. There's this erudite feeling of kind of old-school unity of both at the academic level and also with their football and of course nebraska's a newbie and you know the the big 10 brought nebraska in for the football they brought nebraska in because of at the time they were only 10 years removed from national titles and conference titles they were still a top 20 program with Bo pelini and it was kind of they, they brought in nebraska for some more uh tv eyeballs and tv money and has uh, it been to long flex its, been in the big yes wow. and and Nebraska has been treated schedule wise and on the field basically to a paddle flogging fraternity initiation since day one. They gave them Nebraska Russell Wilson and Wisconsin at night for game one, go into Wisconsin, get murdered by the Badgers, who were the Big Ten champ the year before that. Uh, Go ahead and go to Michigan and get murdered by Michigan in in an 11-win team Go to Minnesota and get murdered by the Gophers. (laughs) And that's the deal. (laughs) Nebraska goes and gets murdered by everyone now. (laughs) And you combine this with Nebraska fans, like like Packer fans, uh, I don't know, maybe like Yankee fans, any fan base that where most of the fans have spent most of their lives cheering for a team that's winning stuff, and, and a couple times in their lives may have won a Super Bowl or a national championship and are always in the mix, they take themselves really seriously. And uh, and so, and 20 years of irrelevance and like the last five years of really sucking, like not even going to, 80 teams get to go to a bowl game, Nebraska's missed four of the last five. <laughs> Uh,
1: you know, Which, that, that would not have seemed conceivable in 1995. Yeah,
0: yeah. they've right. been bad. And so Nebraska fans are clamoring to be relevant. So Scott Frost is the first Nebraska coach to be kind of the anti-Big Ten. He speaks up, and he, he didn't even really speak up. He didn't, like, yeah. chest out his huge pectoral muscles and go, Ugh, Fuck you, Big Ten. I want to go to the—we're going to go join the Big 12. All he did when the Big Ten canceled football was say, Uh, you know what we want to play you know we've got great we've got great doctors and medical staff here in science and we'll we we've got the money to test players and uh, we we might if we can we're gonna go try to look for other football games that's all he said and then but that was taken as Husker fans sports talk shows blah 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 all of a sudden start going Fuck the Big Ten. I miss the Big 12 anyway. Those were our neighbors. Those were our rivals. We had history with them. They're playing football. Mm -hmm. Fuck those eggheads over there that higher than, you know. And it became this groundswell of Husker fans. Let's go. Let's not just play in the Big 12 this year. Let's just go back. But it got twisted by national media like Desmond Howard, Pat Forty, who seemed to be the Huskers' biggest um, detractors as Nebraska wanted to leave the Big Ten, and then Desmond Howard goes on, he just tweets or goes on the radio somewhere, and says, uh, you know, Nebraska can leave if they want to, nobody gives a shit, basically said nobody gives a shit, nobody cares, they're irrelevant. That put Husker fans all in a tizzy. And anyway, as the thing goes along, Scott Frost was the first coach in the Big Ten to speak up and go, no, we really want to and should and can play football. But then Ryan Day of Ohio State pretty much says the same thing. And they're the golden goose of the league. They're the one team in the league that has a chance to win the national title and share with the rest of the league all the money that you get for being in the college football playoff. And uh, and it was like, and then it was released that there was a vote. It was presidents and chancellors, eleven to three. Only three schools out of fourteen actually wanted to play football before January: mm-hmm. Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa. And so you keep pushing and pushing along, and then Trump gets involved and said he talked to the commissioner and then tweeted that we're on the one yard line and whatever. And the Big Ten has said that which had nothing one yard to do with it. Yeah, no kidding. The Big Ten said that it had nothing to do with it. And who knows the truth about that? So he wants to take credit, as he does for a lot of things. But Husker fans want to take credit for this, because that within a week of the lawsuit, the attorney general going, something about nonprofit, you can't deny this, which I laugh at anything that's in college athletics at that level that's ever considered non-profit. Right. But hey, the athletes want to play. So, uh, we can do it, and anyway, the Big Ten reversed its course because it realized, oh my god, we're going to miss out on all the college football playoff money. We're just going to miss out on all the money, basically. Our team, there might not be fans in the stands, but we're going to miss out. Every school is going to miss out on $51 million this year. So, and, and they decided to start right when you can start in time to play enough games that you can qualify for the playoff. And so Nebraska fans were like, you're welcome, Big Ten. You know they they take a lot of the credit because Frost was the first to speak out and then the, the the supposedly the the last knockout punch. Are you bored by this yet? The last I'm getting there. The last knockout punch <laughs> was the lawsuit. This would not have happened without Ohio State. Ohio State's the biggest reason why this happened because they're the team in the league. But the thing that
1: to me is is more eye roll inducing is the complaining about the schedule.
0: Yes, and that and that's the more current thing that I probably should have led with here. <laughs> but like yeah, they gave Nebraska the two. You get your six division opponents, and you get uh, two crossover opponents, and they gave Nebraska the The two two best teams by far in the East, and they have to start at the toughest team, Ohio State. Which, by the way, Husker fans, you get to go to Columbus, and at the very least, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to deal with the fans. And Also, just you're playing.
1: Yeah. That's what you wanted, right? You wanted to play. You're playing. Who cares who you're playing? Shut
0: up. Yes. And also, like. and And, And by the way, it's to be expected. You spoke out against the league and then you offered the, the I, lawsuit. I don't, I, I, don't I, think, I don't think this is rant. I don't whatever, think they spun the wheel and Nebraska the, got. It. Whatever is the exact
1: opposite of a conspiracy theorist is what I am. Oh my God, we got. That Scheduled to play oh, okay, for Ohio State. We're at least going to make sure we serve
0: Nebraska with their schedule, man. You think it's a coincidence they go right to Ohio State immediately, and they they play Wisconsin the next week, the best team in the West, and then they I mean, play. There's Penn's. a lot of
1: moving parts in putting together a schedule. You think they
0: randomly spun a wheel and it just oh Nebraska got unlucky? Yeah,
1: maybe. Uh,
0: I don't, but that's not. I'm not going. to I'm not going to necessarily I mean, I whine about it either. Did or <laughs> I know you don't. And that's the deal. Is. Um, is, is the is the is the bigger picture of our of our pod? yes another Laganitas please the bigger picture of our podcast is we want to talk about the things we did on the radio on Fox Sports 981 what do people in the Sub Empire care about um, this is our introductory Big Ten segment because we have an interesting blend I think in this town of Husker fans Hawkeye fans Gopher fans now have come out of the woodwork just because they're relevant. Um, I want to play this from an Iowa fan, just because I thought it was funny, and of course Nebraska fans didn't, because they can't laugh at themselves. I can, because I've lived in other places besides Nebraska in my life. Places that have, you know, that don't, aren't, aren't infiltrated by Husker fans. This was some girl who likes to tweet about sports. And uh, she was impersonating, this is just a young woman impersonating Nebraska reacting to the schedule release. Oh my god, we got scheduled to play Ohio State and Penn State? This hear? is not fair, I am calling Kevin Warren. Just because we're in the Big Ten doesn't mean we have to play teams from the Big Ten. <laughs> well, if this is how you're going to be, I want to play Bethune-Cookman, so add them to the conference. Well, it's not that hard, I know you can do it, just add them. Well, I'm not going to play any any more games if you make us play Ohio State. I'm serious. Good luck surviving without me. Whatever. Like, the Big Ten's not even that good. Yes, this is Nebraska. Can I please speak with the Big 12 commissioner, please? Yeah, I'll hold. Look, I'm only going to come back if you let me play Kansas twice a year. Like, those are just oh, my terms. So you kind of get the point. Like, and that, that, that's kind of it. That's more the Nebraska fans than the Nebraska she's, administration. She's not far off the mark. Yeah. What, what's the impression... Of, of Husker fans and Husker dumb here in Sioux Falls. From someone who's lived uh, in Sioux Falls your whole life.
1: And, and, and my dad's a Husker fan. I mean, he's kind of a fake Husker fan, if you ask me. What does that mean? He didn't become a Husker fan until he was in his 30s.
0: Okay. Um, People can't become fans of things until they're then. But their he was 30s. a golfer fan. Yeah. Well they and, were terrible And, and, and that was that was literally his excuse Like I'm tired
1: of rooting For a shitty team And now the Gophers Are better than And the Huskers are I, shitty will, I will give him credit At least he's stuck with them Yeah Like I kind of thought When the Gophers got good Maybe he would switch back yeah. And he hasn't yeah. done that Yeah Okay um, But, but the, the reason I bring it up Is because um, I've been to like Six Husker games in my life At Memorial Stadium Before work Like Look yeah. If my dad wanted to take me to a Husker game, I wasn't going to say no just because I hate him. I was like, yeah. sure, I'll go to a Big Big 8 football game and laugh at you and make fun of you or whatever. And yeah. that never happened because that was back when they were good. Yes. I got to watch them beat teams 75-10. Did to you 10. find
0: Husker fans arrogant? Or, I mean, arrogance comes with winning. I wouldn't say arrogant, but just obnoxious. How so? You know, In like, what way? Were they uh, rude to you or just No, or just no, okay? definitely not. Definitely okay. not. They weren't assholes. They were just, no, uh, no,
1: no, no. Just like, yeah, it was kind of like, the, 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 the you know... There, there are other things And we have a thing with Hawkeye
0: fans because uh, the Hawkeyes have been... I, don't, I wouldn't say the Hawkeyes have been irrelevant, but they've been very solid for about 20 years. I mean, I could bitch about Iowa fans, too, but like... Like, what, what about them? How would you characterize them? Uh, yeah. It's not the <laughs> Okay. But it, let me, I'll
1: tell you a story. All right. One of the first Nebraska games I went to. I was a teenager. Okay. This would have been like... 94, 95, 96, The glory
0: years. Yeah, right, right yep. in the heart of it. Yes, I was... Right in the heart of I, it. you know, I'm obnoxious, too, probably, to some people I've seen here. Tommy
1: Frazier play in person. That's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. It was, and, it, uh, was, it was
0: it was ridiculous how much better they were than everybody else. It was a lot of fun. You're not wrong. It was like, a lot of fun I to be saw a fan them,
1: I saw them play a game, ironically enough, you'll remember this, they played Arizona State oh, yeah. when Jake Plummer was a junior and then he came back and beat him the next year when he was a senior.
0: Well, the beat him 77-28.
1: 77-28. This is my story. Shut up. Yeah, 77 to 28. <laughs> they literally, John, as you apparently remember, oh yeah. Nebraska could have scored 200 points in that game. Yeah. It was I think 35 nothing after one quarter and 63 nothing at halftime. And Arizona State had Jake fucking Plummer. It's not like they were yeah. some trash team. Right. You know.
0: And their coach was super pissed they ran up the sc- they felt they, like Tom Osborne They was running didn't up the score. run up the score. They did. I will defend Tom Osborne. They did not. It's just like that 84-13 win right. over Minnesota in 1983. It was 63 nothing at like halftime. They're putting in backups and they're yeah. scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: They did not run up the score. They did everything they could to keep it at 77. Okay. So you were at that game? Yes, I was at that game. Okay. And I don't remember if this is the game where this happened, but I remember, like I said, I'm 15, 16 years old. My dad was about the age I'm at now. Okay. And uh, we, we did not have good seats. We yep. were, like, up in the nosebleeds. And there was this old guy behind us, and, you know, like, there's no seats. You're sitting on these... Benches. Benches, and if there's a fat person in your row, Aper- you're fucked because... It was the, built
0: in 1922, yeah. and some other parts were added in 1950 yeah. and 1960. It's like people... It's like people were all 150 pounds and yeah, had yeah. 30, yeah, it, four is Terrible! Your wastes. back hurts
1: by the end of the first. Yeah, quarter.
0: when this thing was built. Well, so there's this guy
1: sitting behind us, an older gentleman, and like everyone was like treating him like he was some sort of celebrity. Like I remember he was an he was probably in his like early 60s. <laughs> he was overweight, wearing suspenders. And he had, like, the headphones on, so he's listening to the broadcaster the big the gigantic game.
0: headphones, like the airport no, no, runway? No, not headphones? really. Just okay. he's listen, clearly
1: listening to the radio broadcaster yeah, sure. in the game. He's got, like, his program, whatever. Yep. And everyone's talking about him in these, like, hushed, reverent tones. So I'm like, what is that, like, the governor of Nebraska or something? You know, I'm thinking he's somebody important. I'm like, somebody explains to my dad, like, oh, that that's, you know... Charlie Butthead, whatever, like, he's been coming to Nebraska games for... He knows everything about Nebraska. And he's, like, started to, like, show off his knowledge with all these obscure trivia. And it became apparent to me after a while, like, this guy, like, saw himself as a celebrity just because he goes to a lot of Nebraska games. And, like, he knows about all the recruits, and he knows... He can name all the assistant coaches. And I'm like, you're, you're treating this guy like he's some kind of important hot shit because he doesn't have a life. Yeah. Because he's devoted his entire life to this college football team. Yes. And I just remember being 15 years old and thinking like, that's the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I will kill myself if yeah. I become that person. Yeah. And that, that I'll be honest, that like that kind of colored my perception of it. I was like, if this is what's, like, cool about it, I don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Like, I, there's other things. Like, I'm not throwing shade at you for being a fan of a team. Like, I'm a Twins fan, I'm a Vikings fan, whatever. But I remember being a teenager and being like, I don't ever want to be anything like that guy. Sure. Or, but there or, are
0: guys like that for absolutely. Other, play, other absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so saying
1: it, it kind of colored my, like, okay. and, it, and there, I think there, it's more of a there, college there sports thing. Lot-
0: Thing. It is, and there are a lot more Husker fans like that than a lot of other places. The, just this whole thing with the Big Ten, this whole saga, yes, Nebraska played a part, but the way the fans have reacted the whole time has, has, has just it, it's just proven what Nebraska fans are, and I am one of them. They are passionate. You cannot doubt that. They wanted football They, they wanted football worse than any other. It felt like they wanted football worse than any other fan base, and the staff wanted it worse than any other. Football just means more to Nebraskans than it does to most people outside Alabama and the SEC. But two, because of that, they're fucking petulant, and they're ridiculous, and they get pissed off because they, they – they, the, because the team hasn't been very good for 20 years they thirst for any national relevance or attention and then when guys like Pat Forty Desmond Howard uh, Pete Thamel like all these guys like three different national guys who cover college football today like they made the start of their podcast or their column like Pete Thamel Pat Forty and uh, Dan Wetzel all of them were like they were throwing shade on Nebraska for getting mad at their hard schedule that they got after they got football back, which is justified. But Husker fans are like, fuck, all oh my God. It's like, do, well, do you want attention or not? This is the attention right, you get. Right, right, right. Anyway, so, and, and I just, as a Husker fan, kind of still a fan, but kind of from afar, just shrug my shoulders and go, you know what would be nice? For them to have a good goddamn football team, <laughs> for them to win some games when people are watching and care, and and for people to revere the way they play all right, again. All right, well let me ask you, because you would and know. that might never happen in my life.
1: Well, it's, I was gonna say, it's we, been you 20 know, years. we remember
0: we're getting further and further
1: away from it. Bo Pelini kind of had to go by the end just because he was an asshole. He couldn't, yes. you know, he couldn't stop,
0: you know. Well, Bo- he hit a wall. He hit a wall nine and four every year. Yes, but that never wall was.
1: Better than they of have course. been ever since. That's, yes. where, that's where I'm going with this. So, so he had to go because he couldn't control himself. Basically, um, Mike Riley. It's obvious in hindsight why they hired Mike Riley. He was the anti bo Polini, yep. but he was also terrible. He, you know, he'll be remembered as one of the worst coaches in that program's history. Yes. Then you go get Scott Frost, who is supposedly the hottest coaching candidate. He was. Some people were like, he won't go there. Like, he's, he can do better than that. The yeah. Huskers will never oh, get yeah. him.
0: Tennessee, Florida, right. State, yeah, right. uh, UCLA, yeah. all Well, they got him.
1: Okay. okay. And right up the – my recollection, and I obviously don't follow the Huskers nearly as close as you do, but my recollection was that he made a really strong first impression early in his tenure, early in that first year. Whether they were winning games or not, it was just sort of from recruiting, from sort of his press conferences. It was just like – oh, shit, this guy's going to win. Like, there was yeah. no doubt. This is the oh, guy. Yeah. It's talked, only a matter of he, he time. He talked a good game. Right. But but there were also some signs, too. Like, it wasn't just what he they, was saying. They
0: almost beat Ohio State. Right. Uh, they had a nice... Yeah, go on. Go on. So, so anyway, it's, it's looking good. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been. Right. Has
1: the narrative shifted? Are people losing faith in Scott Frost? How long is his leash going to be? I mean, this is the guy... Like, we we're all like, okay... Bo wasn't the guy. Mike Riley. Well, now we got the guy. He's yeah. going to bring back
0: the glory days. It's yeah, gonna, and supposedly you needed a guy that understood Nebraska. Right. Exactly. You know, it's it's a weird place. It's it's harder to recruit here than it was when Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne right. were here. Uh, Understands you, you, yeah. the walk-ons and all. Well, the whole thing. there's yeah. a feeling that if he can't do it, nobody can. I never believe if X can't do this, then this thing will never happen. Or I never believe that it won't. Ever yeah, I, happen I would again. agree with you on that. I I don't you know. All kinds of weird little miracles. You luck into
1: the in next sports. Nick Saban, and you win a national championship. Exactly.
0: Right. Um, you know, Bill Snyder got the Kansas State, turned that whole narrative around there. But only. But answer been, my the, question. Like, what's the what's the thinking now? Like, how much well, has, how much has Husker Nation get, started? Like, eh, I don't know. Not much. They're gonna get. They're not much. They they love him. I mean, you know, let's face it. He's he was he's royalty because he was a national championship quarterback. Um, he was the hottest coach around. I think there's still some cred for that and they feel like he's one of them. And, you know, I, I think there's something to being kind of young and kind of buff and kind of like, it's just, that's our fucking guy, you know? He's He is and feels the brand. He, he looks like the mascot. He looks like Herbie Hus- like. He, so I think he there's- He does look like I, think there's, there's, I think there's a leash there. Like, he's just, um, uh, you know, my joke is he- Oh, I wasn't made, suggesting that he's on the hot seat. But, it, no, okay, if you're asking me personally, of course I question it. I did this, you know, and look, we're, we're an hour and six into the podcast, and we're probably 20, 15 minutes into Husker talk, which maybe people want or not. I don't know. Um, you know, if you're asking, it, it, most people it feels like they're giving him the leash, partly because I mean this year for sure because they've got this they've got this supposed you know murderers row schedule. I'm not so saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying are people losing faith in it? Not maybe a little, but not much. I, 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 I'm not losing faith. I thought he was the right hire. Same way I thought Bo Pelini was the right hire, but I was in a minority thinking he Bo Pelini absolutely had to go, and not just because he was a jackass. Um, I like he. I've I've questioned his coaching acumen during games, his decision making, um, and this, he brought his entire staff from UCF, and the defense has been shit for you know the last two years. Um, and so I've I've. I've been the rare Nebraska media member even though I'm not Nebraska anymore to criticize the guy and not to not not to wonder if he was the right hire or if he'll be, if he'll succeed. Yeah, it's but a like distinction, he, you can support
1: someone and still criticize them when they screw year, up. Last right?
0: season was horrible. They were awful last year and the head coach has to take some accountability for it. So um, I, don't, I don't know what, I think he got the right coach, but that doesn't mean I think something great is ever gonna happen. I don't, I don't, I don't as faithfully believe Scott Frost is gonna get us back, us. He's going to get us back to um, Big Ten championships or the college football playoff or a national championship. I believe he's the right guy to try to do it. I don't believe as stridently that it's going to happen because of Scott Frost, um, as some Husker fans are. But I think there is something to be said for... um,
1: But has the bar been lowered to where if he ends up having the kind of success that Bo Pellini did? With Bo, it was seen as a failure. Yes. But if Scott does what Bo did, will
0: it seem like good enough? Uh, Going I, nine I, and four every year, essentially. I think after a certain point, if you're at least not getting into the Big Ten championship game, <laughs> uh, at least not getting into that game. And Bo got into one, and he got throttled by mm-hmm. fifty points, seventy to thirty-one. Um, that, yeah, I think it'll, yes, I think it'll run out too. Because Husker fans still demand some sort of excellence, some not as much as they used to. And you can joke about it all you want that they shouldn't. It, nev- it never made any sense for Nebraska to be great at football in the first place. It's a state of 1.8 million people. How do you do that? Because you, 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 you have nothing else. Well, because in 1962, uh, color television, TV sets are becoming more common in America. So is color television, and college football and sports are on TV more and people are starting to get used to it. Nebraska is good at the time, so is Alabama, Oklahoma, a few other schools and they just became the the first glamour boys of college football. They were just like right place, right time, no scholarship limit and yes the people there cared more about it than other places and that was attractive to recruits yeah. and the Nebraska-Oklahoma game every year was like the biggest selling point the Husker coach could have is that one game where it's for a conference title and national championship implications every year for 25 years. And there was no equity. There there is no equity or scales of balance in college football. It, if you cared about it and spent the money, you'll win. Nebraska did. Um, places like And other places in their And league, they let criminals like Lawrence
1: Phillips play no
0: matter what. Oh, yeah, they were the only program <laughs> that ever did something like that. And, by, and Amon Green was a freshman and was the best running back in the country, and they won each game by four touchdowns without Lawrence Phillips. But we digress. Uh, okay, so with the remaining time. Let's wrap this shit up. Uh, Okay, let's tell some good Ron Gardenhire stories since he did retire and I thought that'd be a fun thing because I figured you'd have a good one or two. I had a couple. Because Um, uh, most people know Ron Gardenhire retired. I mean the Tigers were going nowhere they weren't going to make the playoffs but he has a horrible what is it? gastric stomach problem and, and his health has not been he's good he's 62 he's in horrible health yeah. when I heard that he was retiring I was like if the Tigers are making him step down
1: that's a dick move and then I'm like yeah. not saying I'm happy to find out that it was health related because that sucks for him but I was glad that he was making the decision on his own terms I was rooting I mean this is a weird year in baseball half the teams make the playoffs I was really rooting for the Tigers to get one of those last playoff spots because of, spot
0: for because of Guardi because yeah, of Guardi and even absolutely. though he probably... I mean, I said this just as, like, a casual Twins fan for the last 15 years living up here. The guy drove you nuts! I mean, he broke your heart, and he drove you nuts. Uh, the Twins and, and waited the about moments. two or three
1: years too long to fire him.
0: But you've got a soft spot. Why? Because they did win a lot. Yeah. But why else? Because
1: he's a legitimately great human yeah. being. Yeah. And the day he announced his retirement, you had all these people saying, like, like... You had people obviously saying, like, he's the greatest ever. But you also had people who would criticize him throughout his entire tenure, saying, like, yeah. wasn't always the greatest manager, awesome person. You know, yeah. every, everyone who would ever cross paths with him as a player, coach, or reporter, like, you had all these national media people saying, like, one of the best guys I've ever dealt with. Yeah. You know, and I didn't deal with him a ton. I dealt with him a little. That was my experience, too. He was a really, really good person. Um, people, people in Sioux Falls know that we have that Twins caravan that comes here every winter. Now they have it at the Elmond Center every year because – that's how big it is. You, yeah. need, you need a big building like that to have it. One year they had it at Rookies. Imagine everyone that goes to the Twins caravan trying to cram into Rookies. <laughs> okay. And was so, it a, Was there a lot of people there? Yeah, it was okay. packed. All right. and it was Gardy and Pat Neshek, the former yeah. Twins reliever. And uh, Pat Neshek was a, a, a pretty good pitcher, and this was kind of in his heyday when he was really good. He was also known for being a little bit of a character. He had his own blog and was sort of a... You know, considered sort of a different yeah. dude. And that was the year Tori Hunter had left the Twins to sign as a free agent with the Angels. She's dumb, because like like some up. Si- they have a QA and a session. And this, like, seven-year-old girl asked Pat Neshek some question. I don't remember what it was. And he's like, what kind of question is that? And I was just kind of like, dude, yeah. what's the matter with you? It's a yeah. kid. Like, <laughs> And uh, I was there covering it. I had to write a column about it. And so I remember being like, and, like, everyone in the room was like, the fuck man like try and read the room it's a seven year old girl you know and so I of course I mentioned that in my column but then like a few minutes later the, the same little girl asked Ron Gardenhire, said something about um you know Torrey Hunter is my favorite player I'm, I'm gonna miss him and Gardy like gets down on his knee and like uh-huh. is talking to the little girl he's like I'm gonna miss him too but you know we're gonna try our artists to replace him and we're gonna cheer for him when he plays for the Angels like he just could not have gone more out of his way to just be an awesome person yes and I just remember that juxtaposed with with Pat Nisha <laughs> I'm like wow and I wrote that and that's what I essentially wrote my column about and uh then, I remember uh, someone told me Pat Nisha complained on his blog about how the artist leader had ripped him or something. Osborne
0: awesome, would have never let this happen. Yeah, no kidding. And, and we were a powerhouse. I never,
1: because to me that was just sort of summed up Ron Gardenhire. Yeah. And the kind of person that he was. Um, my other favorite guardian memory, which isn't necessarily as pleasant, you know, the Twins made the playoffs how many times and kept getting beat by the Yankees over and over and over and over again. In 2010, their first year playing at Target Field. Mm-hmm. um, that that was the first time like they were actually considered the favorite they were kind of they were like the twins are better than the Yankees this year yeah. Yankees still won the series of course yeah and I remember if I remember right the first two games were in Minneapolis and then game three was, in, it was like a sweep the Yankees won game one game two in Minneapolis and then one game three in New York so I think it was the end of game two so the Yankees had just taken a two nothing lead in the series we all when I say we all I mean the media we all go into the twins clubhouse after the game and it's it's so different. The last few years, you've been covering games at the Metrodome where the facilities are terrible. Yeah. And you're cramped into these tiny, dank hallways. Now all of a sudden, you're in Target Field. and Everything's like the palace.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, we're all interviewing different players and trying to get comments. And we're all waiting for Guardy because we want to hear from Guardy. And we go into the clubhouse. They go into the press conference room because they have a press conference room in Target Field. And... Uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen Guardy kind of like lose his patience because people were asking totally fair questions, and Guardy was like, "That's a dumb question. That's a dumb question." And I was like, "No." Like you could tell he just he just had it. Yeah. He couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Like it was one of the few times I saw him like kind of be a dick, but I also was like, I get it. He, like he he can't take it anymore. And so then the press conference ends, and we all go into the locker room to interview players one on one. And as we're standing in there, in there Guardy like storms into the, he has to walk all the way through the Twins Clubhouse to get to his office or whatever. And I just remember like, I hate to misuse the word literally because that's one of my pet peeves, but you could almost literally see steam coming out of his ears as he stomped through the room right after that press conference. I don't think I've ever seen another human being more mad in my life. And it was funny because, you know, he would always talk about, oh, this whole Yankees bugaboo, it's overrated. It just happens to be who we play every year. But when I saw him, I just remember like, that guy is going to kill someone if they lose to the Yankees again. <laughs> and they still, yeah. that streak is still alive today, yep, 10 years later. Yes. And they're, they're probably going to
0: play him again in a week. If it weren't for them, who knows with yeah. Ron Gardenhire. Um So I, I only had a couple chances. One was Caravan came to Worthington, and for some reason I was living and working in Worthington somewhere around 2006 and uh, I was a sports guy on the radio there so they came and it was a low turnout at some bar or I don't even know what it was but I I certainly got a chance to interview him one-on-one and uh, he was a super guy but I also wanted to have him record liners that would play on my show every day like when you get back from commercial Uh so I wrote these things for him and uh, look anybody else would have read the liner but I knew Ron Gardenhire would nail this one because he has a sense of humor, uh-huh. and as you said, he'll accom- he'll pretty much he'll accommodate some small town radio schlep in Worthington. So I had written, and and he and he kind of it was kind of like it was craftily worded. So he kind of, it sounded like he was reading, but he still he 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 had a good enough sense of like the notes to hit to make this sound. I was going for funny, right? So it was like and now back. To a guy who has, okay, I even wrote, I even tweeted this, so I'll just try to remember it because I tweeted it, and, it and, and I don't know what the script was, but, and now back to a man who has all the answers and will forever criticize my every move with his eloquent elite baseball mind, <laughs> or perhaps a bunch of thoughts he pulled out of his butt because he has no idea what he's actually talking about, John Gaskins, and he, he, Is that it? yes, Oh, yeah, he, awesome. I showed him the script, he read it, he laughed, he's like, that's great, and he did it, and he was great, wow. because he knew I was trying to get him to sound cranky, you know, because that's what I did on the radio every day. He didn't know because I was in Worthington, but right. yeah, I mean, when they had a shitty game or a shitty stretch, you know, I, like anybody else, I would, you know, I'd be like, what the hell is Ron Gardner doing, uh-huh. and he had a good enough sense of humor to realize that's what people do, and, and, and he just played along. The other one was... Um, I was with 2006, that great 2006 season, the Piranhas, where they they were 10 or whatever games down in July, came all the way back to win, and they had no power. It was all Johan Santana and just piecing together base running and manufacturing runs, Joe Maurer, Justin Morneau, Nick Punto, stuff like that. And we go down to Kansas City, the Royals are terrible. They're the worst team in baseball. I grew up a Royals fan. And uh, it's like a hundred degrees, three days in a row. I go with, I'm, I'm 26. How I was go, at
1: that series. Were you there?
0: I well, I don't know. There was nobody in the stadium. We were it. Well, the people I mean, that were, they were all Kansas City fans. It was Fourth of July weekend. Uh, I don't know if this was. I don't think this was Fourth of Maybe July. It was a weekend. different weekend. Was, but
1: obviously, they played them more.
0: It was the 06 season, and it was a and like this was a summer. Where I was living in Worthington, and. I was like 25 and single, and like all my friends were college kids. And one of them had a boat, and we were on a boat every night. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was their it was his parents' boat, but we came back to my place because I was the only one that didn't live with my parents. So they'd come <laughs> back to my place and drink and whatever, watch the Twins game. I've met that guy before. We all watched the Twins. That was the thing. That was all summer long. Boat Twins. So anyway, we go to we ten of us go on a road trip, and it's a, just a drunken road trip. We stay at some hotel, and we go to all the games, seven dollar tickets, and sit behind home plate because there's nobody in the stadium. Sunday, we're sitting behind home plate, and we take over the stadium because the Royals are terrible. None of their fans are there. And it's it's a lot of Twins fans because the field wasn't
1: open yet. so s-
0: Twins fans drove out, drove outdoor yeah. stadium, right, right, even right. on a hundred. And it was insufferably hot, so we drank a lot. Anyway, one of our the biggest jackass in our group, like the guy that would always heckle and kind of been, like we think he's funny, and after a while he was just embarrassing us. For some reason, he wanted Rondell White to play. Rondell White was at the end of his career as to some player, and he just kept come on, Guardy. And we, we started. I started to chant. All we are saying is give Rondell. <laughs> I got all the Twins fans, all two or three thousand twins fans to to sing all we are saying is give her and there was no point to it we just went and it became a that was our thing that we took over the game I'm not kidding and um, but but the obnoxious guy in our group was like come on Gardy, put in Gardner put in Rondell let him spin his wheels Rawr. And because uh, because White wasn't playing, that was part of the point why we got that it going. Here he got
1: off to like a horrific start, yeah. and then yeah. yeah,
0: eventually like by the fifth or sixth inning, Gardenhire was finally like he was, you know, he rarely came out of the dugout, but the one time he did, probably to make a pitching change, we were all kind of like, "Come on, do throw run. And, like, usually these athletes and these coaches, they don't want to acknowledge the right, fans right, during the game. Right. They don't. They want to pretend that there's blinders on, they can't right. hear what anybody's saying. Right. But, like, if you were there, you couldn't. You just couldn't we one were one. unavoidable, right, and we right. were insufferable. And so eventually, what, the second time hire emerged from the dugout, in the sixth inning, he gave us the kind of, like, knock it off, knock it off thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shut up.
1: You're probably embarrassing Rondell White.
0: Yes, <laughs> but, like, by the seventh inning... About an inning after hire gave us, like, acknowledged, like, we were excited he acknowledged us, like, ah, ha, 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 Yeah, but he waved Because we're all drunk. And so, and then eventually, seventh inning, guess what happens? Rondell White. Comes out of the dugout. No, he never even got up. He just walked out of the dugout to tip his cap because we kept asking for him uh-huh. and he. And finally for the first time we get to see Rondell White uh-huh. and we explode uh-huh. and and we couldn't see, but I'm sure Gardenhire was just like, we're, we're, we're trying to imagine what's going on in the dugout because all these guys can hear in this horrible baseball game is these jackasses, these drunk idiots uh-huh. Uh-huh. for some random reason shrink for Rondell White. I can just imagine Ron Gardenhire finally just going, God damn it, just go up there, just get, just like, uh, in Major League, or uh, A League of Their Own, where, like, they told Jimmy, like, Tom yeah. Hanks's character who's just Spin drunk, around, though, just, yes. Yeah. So, and but, but like, <laughs> he's the manager. That had to have been a Ron Garden hire move. Like, Rondell, just go out there and shut these yutzes up. By the way, that was the one game, at that game, by the way, we were all looking up at Burt Blylevin in the booth and just like, come on, circle us, Burt! And we saw Bert 11 signal to us. He pointed at us, and then did the huge sign like you, you are all circled. circled yeah. We didn't really talk about Bert on the last thing because it was his last breath. Maybe next time, uh, nobody's listening anyway because we've. But yeah, so Gardy was just yeah, just a cool guy that you rooted for, and um, and the one the best tweet I saw was from Dick Bramer's kid, who said, uh, every Sunday uh, when he was growing up, Ron Gardner I would hit batting practice he would hit or he would throw batting practice to all the players kids and dick bramer's kid Mm -hmm. he'd spend an hour just throwing and that doesn't seem like an amazingly amazing stretch of goodwill like these people on game days the the hay is in the barn they're not as busy and occupied as you think but still still, that's a cool you know not a lot of managers would do that
1: there are people out there who are fake unpretentious. Ron Gardenhire was no. a genuinely unpretentious yeah. guy. And, you know, and we're was, talking about him like he's dead. dead. He's still alive. I know, but I just mean like, yeah. you know, he was the manager of a Major League team for 10 years yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. A good one. And he acted like he was, you know, your next-door neighbor. Yep. And that's why everyone's remembering him so fondly right now and trying to give him a, a positive send-off. Yeah. He was a genuinely good dude. And on top of that, the Twins stretch from 2002 to 2010 is the single best stretch in Twins franchise history. It is? I mean, I'll throw in a caveat there. 87 to 91, there were two World Series championships, obviously. But just as far as like consistently winning, for a decade, yeah. the Twins were good. They've never been that good for that long yeah, as but, they were under. And how much did the manager have to do with it? I don't know. I think he had a lot to do with it. Now, he didn't adapt. The game moved on without him, and that's why he lost his job. But, I mean, they had good you know players.
0: What? They had good pitchers. Well, they, no, they, they
1: had some shitty players because they had terrible they had, drafts, too. Well,
0: they had they had Yoan Santana pitching. And they had yeah, when they got rid Joe of him, they stopped winning. Yeah, right. Okay,
1: that's my point It's how oh, much have to well, do it.
0: Well, but uh,
1: and then when they stopped winning, it was when they stopped having good players. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sure. always the case is having right. players matters. But, yeah. um, you know, it was, like I said, they probably let him stick around a little bit too long. But
0: I get why they did because everyone really liked him. <laughs> Well, we spent probably too much time on the NFL and the Huskers and Ron Garden hired. I have to piss like a bastard wrap okay. this thing up. And we didn't get to high school football maybe next week or uh, the US Open because you actually watched more US Open golf than I did. I watched literally I three couldn't shots. believe how many PGA players I've never heard of. Well, yeah. And uh, and the Emmys. Do you watch any of the shows that won the Emmys? Nope. Shits Creek? Not even nope. never you should watch Shits Creek. Me and Jen have watched a little bit of it and it's yeah. like we were both kinda
1: like, Is this really we were a little underwhelmed. Really? Okay. I mean, I'm not saying it sucked. We were
0: just kind of like, really? This is like winning all the awards? Oh, man. Gilbert and I loved it. But I don't need to laugh out loud to be to consider something great comedy. That's just me. Like, we, we did laugh. Well, we only watched like the first season, and I've heard that it gets way better it as does. it goes on. So we should probably stick with it a little Watch longer. Schitt's Creek. I guess that's the way we'll leave this. Um, that's it. We left it all in the field. Uh <laughs> You're doing it again. God, just say that's the I'm intentionally, end. We'll see you next week. That's the end. We'll talk to you next week. Nobody's listening anyway. Come to the gateway lounge. It's an awesome place to watch sports and they have great food. And Matt really has to piss, and so do I. So good night. We'll talk to you next week on nobody's listening. Anyway. I seriously have to piss. I do too. That was an hour and twenty-five minutes.
1: I'm going
0: to I'm going to I'm going i going I'm to to